This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about emotional needs. We are going to be talking about how we need to satisfy some of our own emotional needs, also how we can satisfy the emotional needs of our partners as well in relationships, and also how the emotional need and satisfying that need is one of the keys to being incredibly magnetic as a deeply feminine woman. So one of the things that I have found in life is that when I present myself as being very self-sufficient in some ways, uh, relaxed, comfortable in my own skin, comfortable in solitude, I am much more magnetic, not only to men or the kinds of men that I'm interested in or that I want to attract, but I am also more magnetic to just the people, you know, that I'm around. Um, I create better friendships. I create better business partnerships. And I am also someone who deeply enjoys my life when I'm really operating from that perspective, right? Being relaxed, comfortable, self-sufficient, um, comfortable in my own solitude, being able to be with myself. On the other hand, I've also been the woman who really struggled with codependence or, uh, you know, kind of clingy behavior. Um, this really came for me from my anxious attachment style. And this was where I kind of constantly felt a need for being attached to somebody else. Um, I had a need for being validated by someone else in order to feel okay, in order to feel almost emotionally kind of balanced. Um, that stability that I needed, it always needed to come from this really external source. And one of the things that I have really learned in life, um, particularly from you know, studying feminine archetype, but also really working with myself on healing, you know, different wounds, particularly, I would say, uh, you know, my anxious attachment um, has really been from that space of learning to not only love who I am, but really enjoy my company, uh, really understand my value and my worth as a person and understand that it first comes from me, not from anyone else. It's an internal job, not, it doesn't come from that external source. And again, this really has changed my ability to be magnetic, my ability to attract, manifest the things that I'm looking for in my life, as well as my ability to be very magnetic when it comes to, uh, you know, potential future partners and very masculine men. 
Now, one of the other things that I have found that has come up, including, you know, that in the past struggling with, um, you know, the codependence or, uh, that very, that very anxious attachment style, um, also came from a play, a place, and I, I find this often in a lot of the women that I talk with. It often comes from a place of, you know, being afraid to be alone. And I think that women, when we're in this kind of space, we can really benefit from utilizing and understanding emotional distance as well as detachment in order to be magnetic and satisfy both in other people and ourselves the emotional needs that we have. Now, for me, part of this was really studying feminine archetype and studying in particular the mystic archetype. And the first time I started studying the mystic archetype, I wasn't really sure if that was one of kind of the strongest archetypes that I have. But going through that and, you know, learning more, I realized that I had a very strong inner mystic. So the mystic archetype and and mystic women, they're very self-contained. They're very one unto themselves. They don't attach their well-being to any relationship or anything. And what I realized was that by, again, healing some of the wounds, the trauma that I carried, it actually revealed that I was a very strong kind of mystic woman. I really had this deep pursuit of inner peace. First, I kind of had to get on that path a bit, right? Um, be very aware and awaken to uh, so many of the the needs, the the trauma, the wounds that I had yet to heal. And this also really led me to, I would say, cultivate a, a deeper sense of self-awareness, a deeper mindfulness. Um, it allowed me to really avoid situations that compromised my peace. I really kind of got to this place where I was like, listen, if it doesn't bring me peace, if I feel stressed, and not just like kind of the daily stress, but like the anxiety kind of stress. If I feel like I am being bumped up into a higher nervous system state, right? I'm not in the green, I'm in the yellow now. Um, those are the things that I started to learn to let go of. Um, and this also kind of led to a space of feeling a lot more, just allowing more mystery in my life. I don't need to share everything with every person. That kind of inner confidence really came from understanding my value and my worth. So really working on my sense of self-worth. And this this was really the energy that really armed me against stress and anxiety and my tendency in the past to become very overwhelmed. And what this did as well is that I started to not attach my well-being to any relationship, any situation, anything other than me. And I think that this is a very valuable skill uh, for women to have, particularly in a society that primes women for codependence. 
And I, we do this in our society by treating love like it's this trophy or this stamp of approval, right? So for, uh, I would say most of my life, I really felt like if I'm not in a relationship, then, it, you know, if some man doesn't value me enough to want to be in the relationship with me, I am, you know, I'm unworthy in some sort of way. There's something lacking within me. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. And so I think many of us were brought up to believe that there's there's something wrong with us if we're single. Um, and so many of us never learn how to meet our own needs more than, again, just our financial needs, but more importantly, our emotional, our psychological, our intellectual, and our own spiritual needs. And so it is really the rare woman who's happy on her own. She creates the rules for her own life. She sees the rules that society tells her she should live by. But instead, she has decided that those don't fit very well in her life or that they are fairly incorrect. I had to really come to this realization as well. Well, society is telling me these things. What if I choose to go on my own path? It doesn't mean I need to stand on a soapbox and proclaim to the world, you know, how awful society is and how horrible I'm treated as a woman. That can be fine too for some women. But for me, it was much more of a quiet kind of space where I had to learn how to be happy on my own. And part of that was being happy single. And part of that was happy on my own path, seeking my own validation and doing the things that made me happy. And to this day, that still make me happy. And some of those are very traditional values in society. And some of those are also very unique values or things that, you know, I get some flack for. I, you know, people will say, ooh, I don't know about that. That doesn't fit into this box that I believe is either femininity or is, you know, uh, what sh- what a woman should do in life. So for me, I really had to study what made other women incredibly magnetic and beguiling. And one of those things was their lack of emotional neediness. Now, let me break this down a little bit because again, in the past, particularly with my anxious attachment style, I like to now consider myself a formerly anxious person, right? I've worked through a lot of that. Does it mean that some days I'm still not a bit triggered? Um, also, some days I can be a little bit more triggered uh, towards avoidant behavior, right? Uh, push people away a little bit, kind of depends. But I am no longer in that anxiously attached, um, you know, attachment style space. What I find really interesting is that partly our society will tell us, particularly as women, that we shouldn't have any like, like emotional neediness, um, means that we are completely clingy, right? On the other hand, we also have to understand that having emotional needs 
is part of who we are, both as men and women, right? As people. So there's this kind of balance. And first, what I had to learn was to understand what those emotional needs were that I have. And I'll go through those uh, here in a little bit, but also to find a balance between I need to meet my own and I need to do that first before I get into some sort of relationship or whatnot, but also that in a healthy relationship, my partner is going to work to meet some of those emotional needs. That's part of the exchange of wanting to be in a healthy relationship with a man with a, in my opinion, uh, or for me, a deeply masculine man. But this idea in being very magnetic and beguiling, these women that I studied, um, particularly through, you know, memoirs and reading about just fascinating women uh, throughout the ages, their lack of emotional neediness. So what I found was that these women were happy and they were vibrant because their entire life, their friends, their career, their hobbies, where they live, the kinds of men that they're with, it's all centered around getting their emotional needs met. And because these needs were getting met, they came across as less emotionally needy if that makes sense. So in love, you know, whether these women were single or whether they were attached, they can show up fully and they can love, you know, as hard as they want to and, you know, be both dependent and independent in the relationship without gripping or holding on to it for dear life. Because here's one of the things I've learned is that anytime we force anything, we are creating a space of lack and we're also creating a space of dependency and we are creating a space of deficit. So in the past, I was really the kind of person who would, I I guess, put some, some fixation on the man that I was with, right? partly put him on a pedestal, um, think that he is the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Uh, And just kind of put all of that time and that energy and that effort into that one person. And that was not very magnetic. That was not very beguiling because I also was draining myself. I wasn't operating from a place of some sort of balance, And on top of that, because I didn't have the balance within me to begin with, right, I was um, not the person who was taking incredibly good care of myself. I was not making sure that my needs got met, and not just from that man, but from a wide tribe of people and situations and circumstances and um, hobbies and activities and work and what and purpose, whatever that was. But that also caused me to really choose very unhealthy men who saw that, who saw that I was the overgiver, who saw that I was the people pleaser, who saw that I kind of clung to the relationship a little bit. And they realized that they could absolutely use me and that they could 
kind of drain all of that energy, that light from me. And instead, you know, they could get their needs met and not have to meet any of my own. Part of that was some of the future faking. Some of that was the kind of breadcrumbing. It was they would start out uh, kind of saying, you know, or, or showing that they could meet certain emotional needs, but they knew they didn't want to keep that going forever. So instead, the next time around, they would give a little bit less. And then the next time around, they might give just a little bit more. But then the next time they would give even less. So they were training me to back away from and to look at any of the needs that I had as being too much. To be there and, and for me to kind of fixate and, and dive in, you know, um, uh, clutch, cling to that thing more so and say, well, wait a minute, but you met those needs, you know, these very simple needs before, but now you're doing less and less. And so it be kind of, kind of became this, this trap, this push and pull, this back and forth. And one of the things that I really deeply had to learn was that neediness repels, but fullness attracts. So learning how to show up fully, uh, learning how to absolutely love my life, to make myself the main character of my life, that allowed me to choose much better men. And those higher value men were then actually attracted to me. They loved, and to this day, love the fact that I take incredibly good care of myself. They don't see that as a problem. And they also understand that they need to meet that at a higher level. They need to provide at a much higher level than the one that I'm already providing for myself. And so I don't have to grip. I don't have to hold on for dear life to a man, to a relationship, to a friendship. Again, neediness repels, fullness attracts. And one of the ways that I have learned, actually, I'll give you a few ways that I have learned about this. One was understanding the feminine art of receiving. There is nothing that I need to be able to do for a man, anything that I need to be able to really give by simply being in my feminine energy. And from time to time, using my masculine energy, I bring all I need to bring to the table, right? So then learning how to receive from a man. I think so much in our society today, we are taught you need to give, you need to clean his place. You need to cook him all this food. And it's wonderful when you do those things, right? But are you already his wife? Are you already in a committed relationship? Or is he just the guy who, you know, has kind of created this situationship with you? And you're doing the things that a wife does. On the other hand, for me, I had to also learn. So I, I had to learn how to receive because one of the things that I was very good about doing was simply doing. 
That's a masculine, that's being in my masculine energy. Being is being the feminine. And for me, it was also really flipping the switch on, wait a minute. I'm not saying that a man has to do everything for me, but the masculine is there to do. And if he's doing nothing for me and I'm doing all the doing, I am only going to become incredibly resentful. I am much less magnetic. And I am doing that because I am not getting my emotional needs met. First, I'm not giving that to myself. I'm not meeting my own emotional needs. But on the other hand, he's also not. The next thing that I really had to learn a lot, you know, learn about was really understanding my divine feminine energy. So the divine feminine flows between her masculine and her feminine energies, as well as her light and dark energies. And this is really very pivotal. So one of the things that I have found true within our society is that we are, as women, we are really taught to kind of cling to, to venerate, I would say, in some ways, the light feminine within ourselves um, to, to kind of see the sweet, the kind, the loving, the giving portions, you know, and part of ourself. We, you know, society, you look at movies, you look at these different kinds of things and, you know, the sweetness, the light side of the feminine is venerated, right? The the nurturing, the intuitive, the compassionate, the receiving, the forgiving, the empathetic, the feeling, the emotional, the graceful, the pure. But one of the other things that I had to learn was that again, the feminine, the divine feminine flows between her masculine and her feminine energies, as well as her light and her dark feminine energies. So particularly last year, it was really my mission to understand the dark feminine. So some of those traits of the dark feminine, she's passionate, she's creative, she's seductive, she's authentic, she's fearless, she's powerful, she's magnetic, she's fierce. And this is also our transformational space. So the dark feminine is not only showing up with spirituality and desire, She needs access to her dark feminine for so many other reasons. So the light feminine in her loving and giving energy often attracts the losers, the abusers, the players, the fuck boys who want to exploit her light. But the dark feminine, when we learn how to bring that into our life, this is again, part of getting some of our emotional needs met. The dark feminine is the woman who has the backbone. She has the boundaries. She stands up for herself. She doesn't tolerate such behaviors. She learns and she picks out very quickly. That's an abuser. That's a man who emotionally drains me. That's a man who, uh, you know, maybe there's not any uh, emotional abuse, but there's emotional neglect. I am not getting any of my needs met. And instead, I am being shown that my emotional needs don't matter in this relationship. I am having to do all of the time. 
And instead, I want to be in my receiving feminine energy. So what's interesting to me is that accessing all aspects of our femininity is vital to also accessing and cultivating our voice, our boundaries, our assertiveness, our self-worth, and learning to enjoy putting ourselves first. Now, again, society who really venerates the light side of who we are, they're going to say, oh, no, 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 you are being selfish. But in fact, we are not. By learning how to put ourselves first some of the time, or at least at certain times of the day, we're actually satisfying our emotional needs. And diving into our dark feminine is also one of the spaces that really helps us be even more magnetic in our lives. So here's something else I've learned. Most men crave the dark feminine in their women, just as much as the light feminine. Here's the other thing. When you cultivate both your deep feminine core, as well as your masculine energy, right? You also have access to, and most likely have already cultivated a lot of your light feminine qualities. But when you also access and cultivate your dark feminine, you become rare. Men like rare things, particularly high value men. So when something is rare, it is perceived to have a lot more value. And in this case, having that access to the dark feminine elevates your value. A woman who is in her divine feminine energy has integrated both the light and the dark qualities and energies. This is one of her high value and high maintenance characteristics. I really also had to learn that being high maintenance was not the dirty words, you know, high maintenance, the two words that our society really tells us. I already maintain myself at this level. Men who are lower value men, they will try to tell you that you're too high maintenance, you're too much. Those men aren't for you anyway. So again, when we have access to both the masculine and feminine within ourselves and the light and the dark energies, we are high value and we are also high maintenance. And it's not just from a financial level. We are high maintenance when it comes to our emotional needs. Since most women have not cultivated and embraced their dark feminine energy, I found that high value men uh, see women who have cultivated their dark feminine as being of tremendous value. And they consider them a prize and wonderfully rare. Here's something else to take away with you. Consider the divine masculine. This is a man, if he has reached this level, he is in touch with his dark masculinity. He is willing to be assertive, to fight for what he wants, but he's also willing to walk away from anyone who disrespects him, 
or takes him for granted. He can be gentle and commanding, loving and ruthless. And men who embrace their dark masculine are part king and part villain. Their masculinity is intoxicating because they have an element of danger to them. Um, I believe it was Jordan Peterson who said, uh, what was his quote about men? He said that a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a very, very dangerous man who has it under voluntary control. So if a man in his highest form, right, the divine masculine, uh, you know, he is in touch with his dark masculinity. If he's this man who's assertive, who fights for what he wants, who's willing to walk away from anyone who disrespects him, or takes him for granted. He He's this dichotomy, right? He's a juxtaposition. He can be gentle and commanding, loving and ruthless. He's also looking for this in the woman that he partners with. So again, he finds this kind of woman, the woman who has access to her own dark feminine, is a woman who also meets some of her emotion, own emotional needs and the other emotional needs that she needs to get met from others. She makes sure that she creates a tribe around herself where she can get those emotional needs met. Now, part of that tribe, she's getting her emotional needs met from them, but she's also helping to meet their emotional needs. And so what that does is it creates this incredibly alluring and magnetic woman because she operates from this space of wholeness. Now, the other thing, again, when we talk about neediness repels, fullness attracts. I also learned a lot of this from David Data. Um, his first book that I read was called The Way of the Superior Man. If you as a woman are looking for a book to read to kind of give you a standard on that divine masculine man, uh, David calls it the superior man, do check out his book. That really helped me raise the bar even higher. And it also came from a man. I also really enjoy a lot of Jack Donovan's work. Um, he has a lot to say on masculinity that really helped me understand uh, men better. Um, I believe one of his books was called The Way of Man. And really learning and appreciating what a healthy masculine man, a divine masculine man, a superior man, a man who has access to his dark masculinity, what he really brings uh, to the world. Um what he also really brings to my life in the ways that he can actually meet some of the emotional needs that I have. Now, when it comes to beyond just love or being in an intimate relationship with a man, emotional needs, this is really the secret to happiness and high energy. 
So for me, one of the really important things to do was to figure out what my emotional needs were and are, and first learn to meet those myself before I entered into a relationship and asked someone else to meet my needs for me. So I think that it's very essential to heal um, before kind of getting into that relationship. And one of the people that I follow, I am working on um, being able to have him as a guest on the podcast, but his name is David Burris. And I believe his Instagram is David Burris Global. Um, And he really talks about why it's essential to heal before we get into that relationship. So he said, whenever you heal, there is growth. Wherever there is growth, there is outgrowth, right? You become more equipped, uh, bigger, you expand both your mindset, uh, your, your values, whatever that you kind of have going on for you in your life. And he said, the problem with going deep with someone when you uh, are kind of in this still unhealed, wounded, broken kind of space is that when you decide to heal, you will outgrow that person that you're with. They're only compatible with the broken version of who you are. So again, this is one of the reasons why it is so vital to learn what your emotional needs are and learn how to meet them yourself and also create that tribe around you, those friends, those family members who also um, meet those emotional needs for you. You, you're getting them met both with yourself and with others before you move into that intimate, intimate relationship space. So what do, what, what's kind of a list of those emotional needs? So it could be comfort and luxury. That's definitely one for me. Abundance, knowledge and understanding, clarity, freedom and independence, this is also another big one for me. I tend to be a person who I enjoy my space. I enjoy my solitude. I need some freedom, both intellectually, but also some physical freedom as well. Um, another uh, you know, emotional need is support and feeling cared for. Acceptance, safety, stability, security. It can also be power and control. And this can show up in a very healthy way, which to me looks like feminine leadership. Um, for me, looks to uh, shows up in kind of being an entrepreneur, right? Having my own business, having the power to make certain kinds of decisions, the control to implement those decisions, but also being that feminine leader. Other emotional needs can be touch, intimacy, connection, balance, Solitude and privacy, tidiness and order, peace and harmony, self-expression, as well as communication, creative expression. We can have an emotional need where we need to nurture and also on the flip side, an emotional need to feel loved and cherished, achievement and mastery, as well as adventure. And what I find really interesting is that 
our emotional needs are very closely linked to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, you know, we need to get those basic needs met first before we can kind of move into that top portion, that pinnacle portion of the pyramid where we are self-actualizing, right? We need to get all of these needs met along the way so we can really become our highest self. We can step into the space where we have both our deep feminine core and you know, also operate from our masculine when we need to. Returning home kind of constantly to our feminine. We need our light feminine qualities, but we also need that dark feminine. I like it when, you know, people say to me, hmm, you're a little bit dark. You're a little bit of a mystery, an enigma. You are also someone who comes across slightly dangerous. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, on TikTok, it's been a big thing. I definitely like to combine my soft girl um, kind of space and era, living the best life for me, while also living the mob wife, right? The mob wife era, which is also, I am dangerous and don't touch me. <laughs> so anyway, that's a lovely little combination. Um. One of the things I find really interesting is that when we are not getting our emotional needs met, we feel like we are lacking something. We feel pain. We feel loneliness. For me in the past, this also looked like being in a place where I was kind of constantly suffering. I didn't know how to get those emotional needs met. There were some kind of um, breaks and severs due to some childhood wounds, right? And I really had to dive into those, take a look at those. Um, also understand the kinds of men that I was attracting. That pain, that loneliness, sometimes the rejection, sometimes the, um, you know, uh, the not getting the emotional needs met from men. Um, and then also um, a bit of that that place, it, it kind of came from repression. I was repressing some parts of who I was. I really had to dive into the shadow of who I was so that I wasn't experiencing all of that emotional neglect in my relationships anymore. Now, that is not something that I will tolerate. Um, and sometimes when we aren't getting one need met, we overcompensate with other needs. So if I am not, if, if I'm kind of being ignored or if I am, you know, not feeling loved and cherished, um, if there is also not some peace and harmony, um, I can move, you know, and, and maybe even, um, being with someone who, you know, is deeply avoidant, right? Where my needs are being ignored a lot of the time. Then I tend to become a lot more anxious. So I will overcompensate. I will feel that need to always be doing, always be showing someone, showing a man that I am of value. Oh, look at these things I do. And I have to remember that this means that so many of my needs are not getting met. Now, maybe I didn't clearly communicate those. Or maybe I need to look at this relationship a little closer and say, is this even healthy? 
Is this even a relationship that I should be in? So everything we do, consciously or subconsciously, is moving towards getting our needs met. So again, we really have to dive first into the conscious side. What can I really look at? What can I be aware of? What can I examine? And then to also, as I talked about, really step into our shadow self, the repressed, the unconscious, subconscious parts of who we are. And here's something as well. We often pin our hopes of getting our needs met from our relationships exclusively. So the things that we're looking for in someone else must first be satisfied by us, by ourselves. In order to be fully content in who you are and in order to be attractive to that partner that you seek, you first must be satisfying your own emotional needs or getting them met from other areas. I think it's also important to understand that in a healthy relationship, you're not solely relying, exclusively relying on your partner to meet every single one of your emotional needs. There are going to be some that they're going to be much better at. And there are going to be a few where you're like, well, that's still an emotional need that I have, baby. But that one's challenging for you. So I'm going to get that met either I'm going to meet it myself or I'm going to find other people, right? My tribe around me to help me meet that. Sometimes that is perfectly okay, right? In the relationship. But if it's also something where it becomes a much bigger problem, then you have to look at the relationship and decide whether or not you are going to stay or whether or not you are going to go. I think that understanding your emotional needs, um, there's a few things that you're going to need to do, right? Because I gave you a little bit of a list. Here are some of these different emotional needs that we may have. None of them are wrong, by the way. But in order to understand our emotional needs, I think there are a few key things that we need to be able to do. The first is think about the qualities in other people that you admire or that you even envy. So back in my 20s, I did a lot of study into very specific kind of women. I read a lot of biographies. Um, I read biographies on Pamela Churchill Harriman. Uh, she was married multiple times. She is the queen archetype for sure. Um, I read a biography by... Um, Madeline Albright, our first female Secretary of State. Um, I really appreciate so many of the things that she had to say. But the two people that I really deeply resonated with, the first was Jackie Kennedy, and the second was Grace Kelly. What I find really fascinating about this is that Jackie Kennedy is a combination of the lover and the sage, so she's the sophisticate, definitely one of my strongest seduction archetypes. And then as well was Grace Kelly, and she is a combination of the lover and the mystic, who we've been talking a little bit about here today. And that is the goddess. So when I started to think about and write down the qualities in these women that I so deeply admired, I began to then see 
what kind of emotional needs I needed met from that space. And it was actually studying the queen archetype that helped me become very comfortable with being okay with what I want, being okay. I don't feel bad anymore that I like luxury, that I like nice things. Now, right now I provide those things for myself. Um, same thing with, you know, both funny enough, the lover, the mystic and the queen archetypes are very much into taking really good care of themselves. The mystic from that internal space, the queen from, uh, feminine leadership and the kind of life that she builds. Yes. Partnerships with other, with men. Um, and then of course the lover is the self-actualization portion. But all three of those women or or those three archetypes really taught me how to overindulge, particularly in self-care. Because for me, self-care is really about where my energy comes from and to be okay with spending money on myself, going to the spa. And it was more than just getting my nails done, getting my hair done. I love all that. Getting a facial each month going to the spa once a week, getting that massage. But it was also setting those boundaries and saying, no, that person drains me. You don't get any more of my time. No, this man doesn't meet any of my emotional needs or very few of them or very sporadically. It's not consistent. No, that's not good enough. I will not be given breadcrumbs anymore. I am eating from the finest five-star you know, restaurant, not simply just literally, but as a, as a kind of a, how we can view our lives. Right. And another thing, when it came to understanding my emotional needs, in addition to thinking about and writing down the qualities in other people, uh, that I admired or that I envied, I really thought about the partners that I am drawn to and the emotional needs that they supply. And maybe, you know, they satisfy something uh, for me, uh, like my need to be supported and cared for. Think about what those needs were. Think about the different relationships that you've had in the past. Maybe you've had absolutely none of your needs met. But think about in those relationships, what kind of needs you wished were met. Those are some of your emotional needs. And then lastly, think about kind of those really big, uh, I would call them high moments in your life. What are you doing when you feel on top of the world, when you feel like you are your best self, your favorite self, when you have that main character energy? Think about that. Think about those really high moments. Those, when those kinds of emotional needs are getting met, write those things down. Because all of these things, qualities in other people, um, you know, you're thinking about your partners that, that you're drawn to and the emotional needs that they meet, as well as those high moments in your life. All these things can point you towards your deepest emotional needs. And I think one of the other things as well is to really cultivate your mystic feminine archetype. And so much of the mystic is really satisfying our own emotional needs. 
Um, this is how we really stoke our inner flame. So when we think of the mystic archetype, she was Hestia in Greek mythology. And rarely is Hestia portrayed like with her face or her body. Oftentimes, Hestia is simply portrayed by the fire, the hearth, the home. So she is both a cool, a warm and a cool energy. Um, yes, she gives to others. She creates this warmth, but she is also very interested in satisfying and stoking her own inner flame. So as I spoke about before, inner peace, her pursuit, your pursuit of inner peace, emotional independence. Yes, being dependent on your partner emotionally from time to time, but also in addition to that, cultivating your emotional independence, um, you know, your self-awareness, your mindfulness, your ability to avoid situations that compromise your peace. This is cultivating that sense of mystery and seductive distance, creating some of that magnetism with creating a little bit of distance and meeting your needs first and meeting your needs as well. Because again, this kind of energy, this, this mystic energy will really help you and arm you against stress and anxiety, your tendency to get overwhelmed, your tendency to always try to please other people instead of really realizing what pleases yourself. Um, for me, this is really getting rooted, grounded, being very soulful in who I am, and also allowing that magnetism to come forward. I do some of that by really elevating my environment, making my home my sanctuary. Um, you know, creating that deep intimacy first with myself. Um, and then as well with the partner that I'm with or the friends that I have. So what I find interesting as well is that, you know, we get um, these emotional needs that we have met, not always just on our own, right? As I talked about before, it can also be within our tribe. Again, our family and our friends. What I find interesting as well is that the goddess Hestia, who represents hearth and home, right? Again, that inner flame, that that flame, that hearth, right? The warmth of that hearth. So on a personal level, this really represents our ability to have fulfillment, warmth and love at home, most specifically. It's our ability to be content within ourselves and our home life. This is why, in my opinion, it's so important to cultivate the kind of home that feels like a bit of a sanctuary to you, even if you're very extroverted. For me, as someone who's fairly introverted um, and from time to time quite introverted, um, my home is my sanctuary, but it also allows me to then go out into the world and pursue the things that I need because I found the safety, the stability, the peace, the um, rejuvenation at home that I really need. 
and our home can also be represented in our tribe. Um, and I think that this really represents our ability to attract effortlessly. When we get our emotional needs met in our home, right, at home, we radiate satisfaction and love. When we tend to our own hearth and home, we don't have to bend over backwards to attract new people into our lives because they're going to be drawn to us and to our energy, to both our warmth as well as that cool detachment that we can also bring, right? Because again, neediness repels and fullness attracts. And that's a very important part of cultivating who we are and cultivating our, you know, and getting our own emotional needs met. It is important that our partner meets some of our emotional needs. The difference is relying on someone outside of yourself to meet your needs versus getting them met you know, you meet them yourself and also getting them met at home within that home that you build, that you cultivate. So being able to meet some of the emotional needs of our partner also makes us incredibly magnetic and seductive. We meet some of our need, or we meet some of their needs. They meet some of our needs. Neither of us are solely dependent on the other for getting all of our needs fulfilled. We've also created these tribes around ourselves. I've created the deep female friendships. He has cultivated the deep masculine friendships that he needs. Now, there is one other kind of piece to getting our emotional needs met that I want to address. And this is that there can be quite a bit of fear behind our deepest emotional needs. Now, some of this can really stem from our childhood homes right? If some of our emotional needs were not being met there, or let's say even a lot of them were not being met. I think that there can be this kind of fear, right? Part of it is that suppression side of our shadow self. Um, we avoid those kinds of emotional needs that we have. We know something is missing. We know something is off. Yet at the same time, it's also very scary to dive into the things that we have been avoiding. But when we cultivate, when, when we really realize and we look at as, as divine feminine women, when we look at the fact that we need both a very strong feminine core, a deep feminine core to go back to, we also can then go out and utilize our masculine when we need it. Then when we also realize that we cannot only have light feminine qualities, this can be a bit fearful, right? It took me a little while to kind of say, ooh, okay, well, uh, shoot, let me dive into this dark feminine. What does this look like? I didn't truly avoid it, but I kind of let it sit there for a little while and say, mm, kind of like, you know, having that long stick and kind of being like, ooh, touching it, touching it out there in the in the future with my arm kind of extended. Ooh, what's this dark feminine thing? It's a little scary. What is what is darkness, right? 
And what I find is often what we want most in life is on the other side of our fear. So we have to learn how to embrace both qualities, our light and our darkness. And our darkness is not something evil or something to be feared. It is something that is profound and powerful. And I think because it's powerful, we fear it a little bit. We're concerned. Uh, I remember that quote from a long time ago. It is not our darkness that we fear, or it is not our light or our darkness that we fear. It is our light. It is the power that we can bring when we, when we merge those two things together. So as you shift your mindset of how to get your emotional needs met, be very prepared to face the, the feelings of fear that can come up for you and really try to face them head on. Um, I have found that nothing in my life goes well when I pretend it doesn't exist. When, you know, uh, if I'm struggling financially, when I say, ooh, ooh, I'm just not even going to pretend that that's a problem. In fact, when I say, okay, I'm going to take full responsibility for this, I'm going to dive into this and I'm going to face it, it's actually much less scary and I can fix the problem a lot faster. Or I can flow in life as well. I don't, I don't need to just try to fight against the current. I can flow with the things that are coming up for me. I can face those things head on, the feelings. I can feel the fear. Because here's one of the secrets um, that I have found in my own life. I do almost everything slightly afraid. And when I've got a little bit of that fear with me, I usually know that I am on the right track because I am diving into something that I was a little bit terrified of before. So be okay, sit with that fear, sit with those feelings, allow them to come, allow them to go and keep moving forward and keep looking at these different types of emotional needs that, you know, you are going to work on cultivating uh, and uh, really, I should say, the emotional needs that you are looking to satisfy and then really cultivating and making sure that you have both a strong feminine core, um, as well as access to a very healthy masculine, inner masculine. And also that you're not only living from your light feminine qualities that society venerates, but that you're also bringing in this rich, delicious, dark feminine energy. And that you're encompassing that and incorporating that into your life. And really looking at these emotional needs. What are they? What are, what are the needs that you specifically need to satisfy and how to get them satisfied within your life? If you are looking for a place to do your self healing work, to dive into a lot of these kind of scarier things, the things that you kind of fear a little bit, I would highly recommend joining us over in our members club. So our members club is a community of women where we believe we are our own best self healers. We are there to support each other as we grow. And um, each month I do a live call. I actually just did one this morning uh, with our women. You can also go through and look at the different kinds of live calls that come in um, on the app. We are on the Mighty Networks app. And then also 
Uh, when you become part of the members club, it is a subscription of $29 a month, but you not only have access to the current months, what I call masterclass or self-healing topic, but you also have access to all of the other masterclasses. You can go through at your own pace, look at the different topics that we have and continue on your self-healing journey. Uh, the other thing as well is you have access to me. You can text uh, within the app. You can ask different kinds of questions if it doesn't get answered on the live call. And you can um, just, you know, get that advice from me that you're looking for. Um, as well as continuing to grow, to work, to move forward in your, on your own self-healing and self-transformation kind of journey. Uh, there is a link in the show notes here so that you can click on that and sign up. Uh, there is also a link in my Instagram bio and on Instagram, Instagram, I am at create love freedom. So you can go there as well. I also have a new quiz, uh, and course, and the quiz is basically, where are you in your feminine reclaiming process? So are you the wounded, the distorted, the awakened, or the divine feminine? And then I also have a new course, and it is the feminine reclaiming. Um, it's broken up into four different parts. There will also be options for you to bundle them together. But if you are the wounded feminine and you want to move into your awakened and your divine, uh, you can either purchase each course or you can purchase the bundle. Same thing with the distorted moving into your awakened and your divine. And the same thing when it comes to if you are already in your awakened feminine moving into your divine space. And um, I am just finishing up the um, feminine reclaiming course for the divine feminine. And one of the things that we really dive very deeply into is uh, embracing both your light and your dark feminine qualities. Um, and something I didn't touch on in this podcast episode is also the art of detachment. After getting your emotional needs met, the next step is really moving into uh, learning how to detach and the art. It is an art form of being able to detach from certain things. As well in our feminine reclaiming course for the divine feminine, uh, we are looking at deeply nourishing your feminine energy and learning to nurture yourself. Sacred union between the divine feminine and masculine. Cultivating your life by being in your feminine high value energy. Protecting your energy. So not everyone should have access to you. Healthy relationships, how to cultivate emotional intimacy. What does a man deeply in love look like? Ways to, to position yourself for specifically partnership, but also uh, specifically marriage. And then also living from a place of deep authenticity and then bringing your deepest purpose into the world. So, you know, you can move through each one of the different levels of the feminine uh, reclaiming process that you will uh, get those results from the quiz. And then you can also move into that space of taking the course. And again, both the quiz and the course are linked here in the show notes. And also again, uh, if you go to at create love freedom on Instagram, you will find them in the link in my bio. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you, helps you really understand how you can satisfy 
your emotional needs, the emotional needs of others, and how the emotional need is really the key to being deeply magnetic, both for you in your own life, where you think that you are just incredible and wonderful, and you know your own value and worth, but also when it comes to attracting that relationship that you are deeply looking for, where you are valued, where you are still meeting your own emotional needs, but you're also really attracting that partner who is also willing to meet some of those needs as well, and vice versa. So again, I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Until next time.